This podcast is sponsored by Moody's Analytics. The coronavirus or COVID-19 pandemic highlighted several challenges facing credit unions, above all, the urgent need to adopt technology and digital processes. Moody's Analytics works closely with credit unions of all sizes to implement technology solutions that help them gain a consistent view of changing risks and the ability to provide an outstanding member experience. From the Credit Union National Association, this is the CUNA News Podcast. Credit Union people. Credit Union ideas. As interest rates are rising, credit unions must look for strategies to protect margins and valuations on their loans and investments. A new update to FASBI accounting rules may provide options to utilize hedge accounting. I'm Ron Jose, a senior editor with CUNY News. In this podcast, Scott Dietz, an industry practice lead in the risk solutions practice at Moody's Analytics, will break down how new accounting rules have provided credit unions with opportunities for a more a multi-layered approach for hedging interest rate risk. Investing in derivatives for hedge accounting purposes has often been considered too complex or risky for many credit union CFOs or regulators. As Dietz assures us, this focused, multi-layered approach does not require complex or new derivative types, making the strategy worth serious consideration. What's more, the CECL processes credit unions have worked to incorporate into their accounting practices over the past few years can work to their benefit as they consider using this strategy. Scott, I see you in our notes, we're planning to talk about CECL and accounting, but I also see that you're telling me this won't be a discussion about the details of CECL. So can you kind of please help me understand? Yeah, absolutely. And honestly, I think we sort of had a lot of conversations over the last several years even about CECL and the impacts that it will have beyond accounting. And sometimes people maybe roll their eyes a little bit. Well, it's a huge topic. It's a huge topic. Yeah. It is, absolutely. And and so, you know, this is one of those places where there's real implications now to what you're using for CISO. So it's not necessarily that CISO directly impacts what we're going to talk about today, but the actual projects that, that folks have gone through, the, the implementation work, there's uses for these things beyond just CISO. And again, that's one of those places where Sometimes we've said that a lot over the last several years. This is a nice example of a, of a tangible use case that I think which, you know, can really help the institutions. So let's start with an overview of what's changing and why the credit union community should listen. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I think there's several things that are all coming together at one time, very interestingly. And, and CISL, which we'll come back to again later, is part of that change. The other things that are really important, one is just the economic environment we're in, right? Certainly, as we look at specifically the rising interest rates and the projection that that's probably continuing for a bit. And so what does that mean to credit unions, right? And so what does that do to their, not only from an accounting perspective, but just their returns and their assets? And so we'll talk a little bit about what that change is doing. At the same time, there's a pretty sizable accounting change that's also occurring. And it's one that's been in the making for several years, to be honest with you. And we'll we'll get into some of those details. But that accounting change, as it relates to hedge accounting, 
is sort of coming together at the same time. So there's ways now that this accounting change will allow credit unions to help protect some of their NIM, some of the tangible book value they have on some of their assets. And it's the culmination of these things all coming together, really, that I think is what should make folks maybe pay attention to, to what's happening. So before talking strategy, anytime we talk about derivatives, and I know this sometimes comes from regulators, there's always concern that we're getting into something very complicated and risky. How is this scenario different? Yeah, and I would say, too, you know, even beyond regulation, particularly as we start talking about concerns of what's going on in the economy and, you know, potential for recession, and we think back to the last recession, that, that certainly derivatives played a role in that. What we're going to talk about here from a strategy perspective is not something that's new or unusual or even instruments that are different than what credit unions are probably investing in on a regular basis. Right? These are very plain vanilla interest rate swaps or maybe a couple of nuances, but again, instruments that have been around and used for quite a while. So that's a nice thing about this. This is nothing that adds risk or is particularly risky uh, when we think about a strategy as we, as we start getting into that. And I think as we talk more, that, that should be evident. So what is changing in the accounting specifically? Maybe you can help by contrasting to what existed before. Sure. Yeah. And, and I think that should help. Really, this accounting change, as I mentioned, relates to the overall hedge accounting changes that occurred years ago within the FASB. And this is a particular nuance that within that change that, that occurred a couple of years ago, they wanted to correct and sort of make sure was specific to allowing this particular type of strategy. So when we think about what's changing, what the accounting is saying you can do now is you can utilize a multi-layer approach to doing sort of a, a portfolio level hedge. If we kind of break that down, what that really is doing is it's saying, I could take the same assets and put multiple layers of hedge against those without the risk of the entire thing breaking all at once. And so I'm going to come back to that strategy in a second. But if we think about what used to exist before, you really couldn't utilize multiple layers. It was sort of like saying, we are going to designate one particular group of assets, and this is one particular derivative, and that relationship was needed to stay tight. By allowing this sort of multi-layer approach, what that does is it expands now into a group of assets that has been a real problem before, and that specifically is prepayable assets. So when we think about what sits on a credit union's books, you're thinking about fixed rate loans, usually to consumers that have a tendency to prepay pretty frequently. And so now you can really incorporate those into an interest rate hedging strategy. Whereas before, prior to these changes taking place, that was really difficult because banks that were doing it, credit unions that were trying to do it from an accounting perspective would find that that relationship would break very, very frequently, simply because of the nature of prepayments and, and the and the challenge to, to sort of incorporate that and make it work in the way that the accounting was requiring. Without getting into too much detail, can you explain the overall strategy that, that's available right now? So we've talked a little bit about the accounting change. We've talked about hedges and everything. So hopefully this can help. I'll try to use an example here to, to make it a little more straightforward as to what we're saying you could do. 
So in the past, when you what your strategy would have looked like, you would have had a group of loans. Let's say you had a group of mortgage loans and you wanted to, and they were fixed rate, and you were concerned about interest rate fluctuation going forward. So that means you'd be concerned with if rates rise, you're probably losing out on some of the interest you could have received from the rising interest rate. If you were holding them, like if they were debt securities that represented this, you would be holding them in fair value and, and you'd sort of lose some of the valuation there, right, on your balance sheets. So those are the things you'd look to protect and you'd look to protect them with an interest rate swap. The challenge was from an accounting standpoint, you really couldn't do hedge accounting on them because uh, as you tried to create those relationships, there was credit exposure in the consumer book and there was prepayment exposure. And trying to create relationships that were effective under the hedging rules was really, really difficult. And what would happen is over time, they would deteriorate and that would break apart. And then that would increase the likelihood that the credit union would have to hold these derivatives at fair value. And, and so that would create other volatility that you just didn't want to deal with. So if you think about what we look at now, you could actually take that same group of loans and under this new accounting, you could start designating what portion of that group do you think is not likely to prepay or see credit risk. So you don't have to identify specifically which loans, just an amount of that population that you think will be there. And then you can find your, your matching derivative to sort of go against that and start hedging your rate risk. Then you can also start looking at the likelihood that other sections or layers of that portfolio exist, and you could add additional swaps against it so that if things change from your expectation, the whole relationship doesn't break. It's only certain parts of it that you start to unwind. So again, it, it becomes a lot less risky when you think about how this would work going forward because you can take a bulk of the portfolio and make sure that that's not likely to prepay all the way away or, again, significantly impacted by credit risk and put a swap against it. And that becomes a very tight relationship, right? You're, you're not looking at something that's very risky as you move forward. And then you could decide to hedge other riskier parts of it as you move forward. It's very nuanced. There's a lot to that. But as a takeaway, as you just sort of think of what that strategy looks like, it's this this idea that from an accounting perspective, you can start changing the way that relationship works and adding layers to it that just didn't exist before. And it allows you a lot more flexibility in protecting your margins, protecting your valuations that was really difficult on a prepayable book of assets previously. Yeah, you unpack that very nicely. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot to it, right? I mean, I, I think I'd like to reiterate that these are instruments you probably already hold. And maybe the derivative, again, is not something you've done before, but that's not a unique instrument to make this all work. It's just the accounting now has exposed this capability. And so I think it's a really nice thing to, to utilize as an option, particularly in this environment. As rates rise, it gives you a lot of options. So kind of back to the beginning, what does Cecil have to do with all this? Yeah. And so that really comes right back to, to what I was talking about with Cecil. When you think about one of the things that you would need to do to make this work beyond sort of the derivative is you have to look at what does my portfolio look like and start breaking it down into segments or groups of assets where you can understand what are the, the risks involved that, that those assets 
from a their lifetime will be different than what you expect. And the two things that relate to that would be credit risk and prepayment risk. And you think about what, what CECL asked you to do was project out credit risk for the life of your assets. And then it's sort of requiring you to go through an analysis to determine what's the likelihood that I experience losses. And part of that also is what's the likelihood that the assets prepay and, and sort of go away and have a shorter lifespan than expected. And that's important, right? Because now these are two key components to understanding how do I create a strategy where I have the right mix of assets to sort of move forward as I create this relationship? The other thing that CECL does then is not only look at your expected result, but we've also talked a lot about utilizing different forecasts, different projections under CECL to understand what different changes in the environment might drive as far as what your losses and your prepayments would look like. So now we you know, sort of use the term of a multi-forecast resiliency, where you could use that same information, those same tools and solutions and understand, if I set up my hedge this way, what has to happen from an economic perspective before I really start seeing that initial layer start to decay away, or maybe it's layer two or layer three, start to be impacted based upon, you know, again, credit losses or prepayments are, the, again, the two things. So that really provides a lot when you're thinking about how do I structure my portfolio to start diving into a strategy like we talked about. And that's where the CECL tools come into play. And you've had to do it for CECL. And so you can utilize that information, that data to start building up a strategy like this. So obviously, Moody's expertise is key here. Can you tell me how Moody's can help credit unions interested in learning more? Sure. Yeah. And from Moody's analytics standpoint, we really have been heavily involved in helping uh, customers get up and running with, with CECL. And so that's a big part of it, right? We're not here to execute derivatives. But as you look at this strategy and you try to understand your loan portfolio, the reason we were very heavily involved in CECL is that we, you know, we have the expertise from a credit risk standpoint. And from a forecasting standpoint, and along with those two things, just as we, as I mentioned before, helping to understand prepayments and what's happening in the portfolio is very much central to what we do, right? And so, as we talk to customers about what are you doing with, with things like CECL, what are you doing from a, you know, from a risk standpoint, even from capital planning and stress testing, all of these things that credit unions are doing now all become considerations and those same tools that we're offering that we're helping with those can be utilized as you start to think about what this strategy might look like. So that's really where we come into play here. Again, it's not something where we're not going and executing derivatives. That's certainly not something we're helping folks with, but there's a lot of ways that our tools and solutions are, are assisting as, as institutions start looking at this possible strategy. Thanks for listening to the CUNA News Podcast. Subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher Radio. This podcast is sponsored by Moody's Analytics. To learn more about how Moody's Analytics can guide the digital transformation of your credit process, visit moodysanalytics.com.